This is a news update on University of Portsmouth Research, brought to you by Life Solved. I'm Glenn Harris. I'm speaking to Dr. Tom Smith, Principal Lecturer in International Relations and Academic Director at the Royal Air Force College, about his new research, which suggests that the upcoming election in the Philippines will be the bloodiest ever. Election violence is just such a more political and thorny issue it's kind of left alone for individual countries to wrestle with. And the Philippines is really struggling with that. You've got a new report coming out, which is the first piece of research published in over 20 years about election violence in the Philippines. So can you kind of put into context around kind of the elections in the Philippines and why this is such a contentious issue? It is contentious for a number of reasons. Let me just start with the story. If we go back to 2009, November 2009, have a think back to where, where you were and what you were doing. I was actually living in Manila in the Philippines at the time, was completing my PhD field work and teaching at a university uh, in Manila, Monday to Friday, hopped down to various bits of islands where I was doing my field work on the weekends. But at that time, I was very lucky, so there was an election in the offing. And in November, campaigns were starting to ramp up. Candidates were being put forward. On the news one night, across the country, news broke of a massacre that had happened um, in the deep south of the country, a place called Maguindanao. A large number of people who were in a convoy of people supporting a candidate who was about to go file his candidacy for this election. So the convoy was full of his supporters, his family, a lot of journalists, and they were ambushed on the roadside and massacred. So in total, 60-some people were killed. Effectively, the entire convoy was killed, including people that were on the roadside and were potential witnesses as well. This was extraordinary by anyone's measure and really did rock the consciousness of the nation. The massacre was done by the incumbent people that were in power in, in the region of Maguindanao, the Ampatan clan. And um, Filipino politics is dominated by local clans and groups that have uh, provincial power in various different provinces. They're a long way from Manila, a long way from central authority. The same clan will have responsibility for law and order as well as sort of political governance. And so when we come to elections, there's a real conflict of interest which quickly emerges. And and this massacre in 2009 was a real scar and obvious open wound for on, ongoing elections. Fast forward, you know, almost a decade, more than that, we're about to go into an election to replace the current president, vice president, and the general consensus in the media and reporting is that election violence has dampened down from that from that one massacre which has been highlighted previously in the past 10 years as a, as a kind of watershed moment and i questioned that that, that was actually true because it's been um, quite a lot of political violence under the current presidential reign and so the journal article really set out to question that have a look at the re- previous research which supported this idea of a kind of downward trend in election violence and so kind of that's that's where the research was born out of, Glenn. But the other thing to really note is this thing of election violence is a really slippery eel of a concept. It's hard to kind of pin down. And it's not just the Philippines which wrestles with this. Even here in the UK, you think about the murder of, you know, a sitting MP in Joe Cox in and around sort of election canvassing. 
the storming of the Capitol in the US, which, all right, was after the election, but I think a lot of people would consider that as election violence, trying to interfere after the fact with an election result. So this is something which, you know, hits developed and developing countries alike. It's not just um, a problem to the provincial Philippines and developing countries. The second big thing, though, is that it's just not monitored. There isn't sort of a global watchdog or universal acceptance measuring metrics of how bad election violence is in various countries. Some nations have recognised it's a particular problem in their country, but internationally there isn't really anything. It kind of falls between the various cracks. Yeah, and you say that, and they say in terms of kind of the, the geography, the scale of the Philippines uh, makes it hard to monitor and it's very localised. But to what extent does the state get involved or is it just purely at the local level? Is there evidence that this is linked to kind of current administrations or administrations previously? It's a great question. I mean, it, it changes on a per administration. So, you know, presidents get sort of a five, six year reign at this. And it can quickly sort of change and you do an about face when the next president comes in. So, so good intentions can quickly be erased. And in the Philippines, there is something called the Commission on Elections. There is, you know, a government body which controls elections. Again, it does more of the sort of perfunctory things, like I mentioned, like a lot of the monitoring services does. It, you know, organises the ballots, the counting of votes and things like that. And they are aware that election violence is a problem. So they have what they call the gun ban during elections. So during the election period, they don't allow people to carry guns, which you would think is a fairly um, basic measure. But in the Philippines, it's actually quite hard to police, I mean, especially in the provinces. That means effectively that they have increased police presence in and around election areas where, you know, votes are being cast and then counted, where election nearing is happening, where campaign rallies or what have you. They'll do this through a series of police checkpoints and what have you. So me and a colleague at the Lund University in Sweden, Dr. Joseph Reyes, kind of looked, wanted to test this, see had, had these measures had any impact on election violence in the Philippines. And so we looked at all the various possible pots of data we could look at to, to assess this. And we used the global terrorism database as kind of the best of a bad choice of options, really, to kind of question this data. But the global terrorism database looks at terrorist attacks. It covers the Philippines in enough detail for us to look at where terrorist attacks had, had happened over a, over a 13-year period in which you're covering this article and we we look at that data we drill down to it during the election periods and we've actually sat, found that election violence has been getting worse in the last 13 years spikes particularly just after an election so there's lots of violence when certain candidates are, are announced in certain areas there's a huge prevalence of assassinations by people that are never identified so these are usually motorcycle assassins. So you have two people riding on a motorcycle, somebody driving, somebody on the back, both with helmets on to shield their identity. The guy on the back who's a pistol can get real close to somebody, shoot them and drive away. And so we have this kind of murky world of having to infer the purposes of, of this, the timing of this. And how much could that be attributed to the current administration? We've all seen the turtonies of the war on drugs and kind of just kind of the open assassination of drug dealers and drug takers. How much has that kind of fostered the violence and is it kind of risk fueling another violent election? That is 
the big great question and i mean the next six months are going to see so there is an election in may 2022 the candidates will all be um identified and filed their candidacy at the end of next month and then electioneering will really ramp up from then if Duterte's last five years in office are anything to go by and the and the trend that I've looked at over the last 13 years is anything to go by all the inferences and suggestions is that we're in for a very violent election campaign in the Philippines so you mix an election into an already toxic cocktail of various different forms of political violence where people have, have used assassination to the cover of the war on drugs to assassinate their their business enemies social enemies whatever that might be and now you throw in an election you know the prognosis isn't good uh and that's basically what the report shows is that you know the the various minute measures the gun ban the police checks that they've tried in the past haven't had a positive impact in fact things have been getting worse through duterte's regime on top and you know it's a real nasty cocktail i think that we have in store Duterte himself is officially, according to the Constitution, banned from running again. Only they can only, a president can only run for one term. But the latest rumours are that Duterte is going to run as vice president. So that's the current lay of the land. And obviously in the next six to eight months, we're going to see election campaigning ramp up. There's going to be a very close fought election, I hope, if you know a number of opposition candidates mount up against the Duterte camp. But they are all facing the same landscape of a very prospects, at least, of a very violent election to come. And it must be quite difficult for those kind of candidates or family to kind of, they say, put themselves forward, knowing the background and the situation they're putting themselves in. And also for the media as well, reporting on it must be kind of a very dangerous time for them. So, and as I say, it must kind of diminish trust in the process that if media are afraid to report on it if candidates aren't standing but you don't get a fair election and we just get this cycle of of violence and corruption exactly yeah the, the, where where can that cycle be broken is really the next question that comes from that is how how do we intervene in this how do we open up some trust in, in the process where candidates can feel that they can run in a safe manner <laughs> and then the electorate have any faith in the system there where you know they feel that their views can be represented the realistic hope is that the various opposition groups to Duterte will unite under a single candidate and the most likely person I think going forward is the current vice president and a real thorny Duterte side a lady called Lenny Robredo who has shown previously she's got that sort of courage to to do this an accustomed and established politician so she knows kind of what's ahead of her and what will be needed and at the same time if she can get the other opposition figures to to unite around her i think there might be enough votes in that but what's happened in the past you see is duterte you know last election five six years ago was elected with only 40 39 of the vote and because, you know, voting for presidents is not like in the UK or the US where, where it's usually t- between two candidates. The opposition, if there's two or three candidates, they all take votes from one another and, and they split the electorate. So if that doesn't happen this time, that could be an avenue. It will take the administration in the Philippines to, to understand and appreciate that election violence is a problem. But if they can make it swing for them, if they can if they can kind of manage that violence and they can make this election violence work for them and serve in their interests, then I worry uh, because they'll probably do very little 
to to prevent that. The other big problem, of course, is COVID as well in the Philippines, and it's having a terrible situation. And if that continues over the next six months, that's also going to have a huge effect on the election as well. Mm. Well, I'm sure we're going to, the world is going to be watching over the coming months and we'll see what happens in May 22. And it'd be great to follow up perhaps in a few months' time, Tom, once we kind of see the outcome of that election. Thanks, Glenn. Cheers. To find out more about news, events and research from the University of Portsmouth, go to port.ac.uk or follow us at Portsmouth Uni on Twitter and Instagram.